Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Dirt Radio. I'm your host, Phil Evans, and I am coming at you pre-recorded from my bedroom, which is in the land of the Wurundjeri people where sovereignty has never been ceded. And a big hello to all First Nations listeners and paying our respects to elders past and present. This, of course, is the Friends of the Earth show on 3CR Dirt Radio, where we dig in deep and find out what's going on around at Friends of the Earth and in the wider grassroots community. Today, we're going to stick with the theme. Last week, we looked at some Pacific sovereignty and climate change issues, and today we're going to do the same and continue listening to some of the sessions that were at the Climate Change and Pacific Sovereignty Conference that was about climate change challenges to the cultural identity and sovereignty of Pacific Atoll nations held by Pacific Islands Community Council, the Pacific Island Council of Queensland um, and Friends of the Earth and our Climate Frontlines project back in July this year. We know that current scientific information and predictions about the pace and impacts of climate change indicate that there may be limitations to the resilience and adaptation measures in response to such impacts as rising sea levels, extreme weather events and ocean warming and acidification. This scenario is becoming an increasing concern for Pacific Island nations, especially Kiribati, the Marshall Islands and Tuvalu, comprised almost entirely of atolls. The conference looked at how the impacts of climate change are already challenging the cultural identity and sovereignty of the peoples of these nations. And we actually had a special guest, Kathy Jetnell Kishner, who is from the Marshall Islands and people may remember opened up a very impassioned version of the United Nations back in 2014 with a beautiful speech. She's an artist and activist and a poet and she joined the conference by a pre-recorded message that we'll hear after a couple of community service announcements. Stick around on 3CR, this is Dirt Radio. armed states are talking big and spending up with no intention to disarm. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons provides a pathway out of this mess, and it's up to us to get our government on board. Tune in to ICANN's Banned School to learn more and be part of history in the making. It's five online sessions from June to September. Check it out and enrol at icanw.org.au forward slash bandschool. That's icanw.org.au forward slash bandschool. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is a 3CR supporter.
Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. You are on 3CR. This is Dirt Radio. Phil Evans here joining you and talking again about Pacific Island sovereignty and climate change. Today on the show, we're going to hear a pre-recorded presentation by Kathy Jetnell Kishner from the Marshall Islands. Now, Kathy is an artist, poet and a climate change activist who received international acclaim at the opening of the United Nations Climate Summit in New York in 2014. She is also the co-founder of a youth environmentalist not-for-profit called Jojikum, dedicated to empowering Marshallese youth and writes amazing poems. You should check them out. At this conference, she was talking about the impact on climate change and how it was affecting work around sovereignty and cultural issues. It's changing the way that we plan for our development. You know, like when you're planning and strategizing for the development of a country, you don't necessarily have to think about climate change, you know, destroying your entire island and, and taking away your sovereignty. But this is how we're now planning for the future for our islands. And in terms of human rights, the Marshall Islands actually collaborated recently to uh, host a conference between the Marshall Islands, Kiribati, Tuvalu, and other members of CANCC, the Coalition of Atoll Nations, to discuss the human rights impacts of climate change mm. and you know how how what what are the intersections specifically mm. and so with within the UN human rights framework and in climate change framework the UNFCCC uh, these two realms tend to be considered separate you know in some ways which is is, is strange you know in, in uh, as far as um, kind of the, the the technical ways of intersections and so I, I completely it, it was a really it was a really interesting conference that helped us sort of highlight, first of all, the climate change impacts, but then also, second of all, the ways in which we at the country level, at the national level, are addressing those human rights impacts and planning for those human rights impacts. And so when we're looking at cultural rights and social rights, I think that's so hard to address, you know, in, the, in a world that basically does not recognize cultural rights and does not see the, the impacts or the, or the importance of cultural rights, you know, the social, uh, social impacts of cultural rights. I think when I, when I think about climate change and, and cultural rights, it reminds me of when I tried to explain our connection to land. And a journalist, an American journalist, was talking to me about it. And he said, well, can you explain that more? Because for those of us who don't have that cultural connection to land that doesn't mean anything to us it just you know we wonder why can't you just pick up and leave it's just land you know and so I think that kind of disconnect between that connection that we have and that and culture what culture means to us is 
is mm. is going to make it really difficult to fight at these international realms on this on this issue you know when the wider public you know through colonization through globalization has essentially wiped out and you know culture in a lot of different ways so um yeah i think that's that's where my mind's going on those uh on those kinds of different topics yeah I entered this kind of space as a poet, you know, as a poet that was engaging on climate change issues and in, in the ways in which it was impacting me as a, as a citizen, as, as a person, you know, and, and the, the fear that I felt once I started to learn how vulnerable we are and how serious climate change was. And one of the ways in which it really attracted me or one of the ways that I was drawn into the conversation initially was the ways that journalists would constantly ask, where are they going to move? Will they still have passports? And that was the angle of questioning. And I think that when we're looking at sovereignty, again, it sort of feels like jumping the gun a bit, you know, like we're not really there yet, but it still is a really important conversation to have. And so this is something that Marshall Islands has been considering. And this is something I have thought about as a Marshallese and I use poetry and art. And as someone who grew up in the States and not on my own island, I use art to to learn more about my culture and to learn more about the stories that connect us to that land and the ways in which culturally, you know, everyone owns land in the Marshall Islands. Everyone can, can claim a piece of land and every piece of land has a story, has a, a, a chant, a song um, that's, you know, you can point to a coral head and it has this, you know, hundred year old story that can be passed down generation to generation. And so that tells us initially that importance of land. But as I started to learn more and more about climate change and I kept writing and I kept performing, I wanted to learn more about the technical aspects of it. I wanted to get into all of the different realms. And so when you introduce me as Kathy's a poet, she's a climate envoy, but she's a poet, but she's also the director of this nonprofit. It's because I understand that this is an intersectional issue and I want to be at every intersection, uh, you know, every sector trying to figure out how do all of these pieces fit? Because at the end of the day, climate change is this huge problem and it has to engage us at every level. And so, um, you know, for me as a poet, I write to, to engage my feelings, to engage my emotions and to, you know, to stay connected to the issue. That's what keeps me grounded and keeps me going when we're looking at such a huge problem. You are listening to 3CR, this is Dirt Radio. We're in the middle of a presentation by Kathy Jetnil Kishner, an artist, activist, poet from the Marshall Islands, talking about climate change impacts on cultural identity and Pacific sovereignty. Just then, we had a really good reminder to ground yourself back into arts and things like that, a timely reminder as we struggle through yet another lockdown in this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're going to continue to hear the rest of that presentation and hear some more about some of the sovereignty issues and some of the climate science that is driving the problems that are being experienced by these Pacific Atoll nations. This recording was made back in July at a conference that was co-organised by the Pacific Island Council of Queensland and Friends of the Earth Australia. But I also work with our youth through our nonprofit, Jochibum. I make sure we organize that we're engaging them as well because they're going to be the ones inheriting the issue. Um, and then at the and then of course, 
in my newest capacity, something I'm really just getting into now is as climate envoy. And so within this role, I've been working with our government and with our ministers to make sure that, um, to just advise and also represent our country at various climate change events and um, and to also help our national, uh, our national climate change directorate team in developing our national adaptation plan. So I think what's really important that I really wanna get you know, through to people through this webinar is that um, there is important work that is happening on the ground level that is very technical and very um, valuable. You know, we're not just sitting here being victims. We're not just sitting here waiting for the tides to come and wash us away. We are advocating at an international level, but we're also, um, we're also doing the day-to-day -day work of meetings and strategizing and answering these hard questions, one of them being sovereignty. And I would say that the most, the clearest way that we're protecting ourselves and we're protecting our sovereignty at this moment is through the National Adaptation Plan. And so Marshall Islands for the past couple of years has been focused on mitigation, promoting mitigation, making sure everyone was curbing their emissions. We developed an energy roadmap to eliminate fossil fuels and transition to renewable energy by 2050. Very, very forward thinking. And we did that first. We were one of the first countries to implement that and to also submit our NDCs, our nationally determined contributions. But then we realized, you know, someone, a scientist came here, his name is Dr. Chip Fletcher, and gave us really startling climate science that told us that we can no longer just plan for mitigation. We had to plan for the worst. We had to start adapting. And so that's what we're working on right now is that national adaptation plan, the NAP which we're also calling our survival plan. The Marshall Islands is only two meters above sea level. So that means there's no mountains, there's no larger island to go to. We as Atoll Nations all, all kind of share that identity, that vulnerability. The latest uh, science that we've been given is that the best estimates we've been given is that sea level, is that there'll be a sea level rise of 5.9 feet in 80 years. So that's all of the Marshall Islands submerged in 80 years because we're only two meters above sea level, which is about six feet, right? So what you have to also remember is that RMI contributes 0.00001% of the world's global emissions. And so what yeah. you're seeing is the worst impacts in the region to, to all atoll nations from the countries that contribute the least. So the National Adaptation Plan is... Uh, is the way we're going to protect ourselves, you know, and some of that is going to be extreme solutions. And some of those extreme solutions are building islands, elevating islands. And then it becomes, where do we get that funding? How will we decide where we will, be, we will build the islands? Which islands will be elevated? Which communities will be moved? What will happen to our cultural um, protocols of land ownership? Lots and lots and lots of questions, but the National Adaptation Plan is the first step towards answering that question. And so that begins first with statements of situation, gathering reports from all of the different sectors. How will your sector of education be impacted by climate change? Well, we have this amount of schools on this number of islands. How will, you know, maybe they'll uh, end up becoming shelters for when there's, you know, high tide floodings. And then gathering all of the science that we have so far. You know, so far, most of the science that we have comes from something called the Reymalak framework. The Reymalak framework is conservation focused and it has some adaptation in it, but you can only conserve to a certain point before the whole island disappears, right? 
And so that's another part of it too. And so we have that science, but not enough. And so I think that what we're really, the questions that we're asking ourselves is listen to and what science is gonna inform how we plan for the future. But at the end of the day, we don't want to leave and we don't want to move. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like, um, I, I feel like I'm seeing a, a line from one of my poems, but that's the truth. And I think all of us in the Atoll Nations collectively agree that migration isn't, shouldn't be the only option. It shouldn't be forced migration. So the National Adaptation Plan is our best bet towards making sure that our shorelines are protected, that our community is protected, and that our sovereignty is protected. You know, it's really important that we maintain that sovereignty. Uh, as someone who grew up as an immigrant out in the march, you know, in the U.S., I know how difficult it is to grow to live in the diaspora and to think of thousands of us, you know, having to be forced to make that transition. That it won't work, especially with, especially when you're looking at the U.S. right now with its current uh, immigration policies and, you know, the uh, with with the outright racism towards people of color and immigrants also. So. I guess these are all different things we're taking into consideration. I think I, I just wanted to emphasize that, that we are here, we're doing the work, and that while migration is an option, we are doing everything we can to protect our sovereignty. At the end of the day, we can't rely on the rest of the world anymore, and I think that's where we're at. Really powerful presentation there by Kathy Jetno Kijna, a artist, poet, and climate change activist from the Marshall Islands. That was recorded at the Climate Change Challenges to the Cultural Identity of and Sovereignty of Pacific Adult Nations back in July, co-organised by Friends of the Earth Australia and the Pacific Island Council of Queensland. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. Yes, you are indeed. And if you are just tuning in and missed out on that really great presentation, then you can always catch up on a podcast at 3cr.org.au where you can also become a subscriber while you're there. So if you love radical radio and love hearing different perspective, different voices and all of the wonderful shows that we have here on 3CR, then please consider becoming a subscriber because it's Radical Radio and it only is on the air because of people like you who subscribe and get involved. Now, if you feel moved uh, by that presentation by Kathy, then you can get involved in a day of action for Australia's 2030 climate target. So we know that the United States and the United Kingdom have increased their commitments to tackle the climate crisis this decade, with scientists issuing a code red warning to humanity. It's time for Australia to put its shoulder into the wheel and really get active on cutting emissions. So on Friday, the 1st of October, Friends of the Earth Australia and organised by the Act on Climate Collective at Friends of the Earth Melbourne are organising a day of action and calling on the Prime Minister Scott Morrison to take strong 2030 targets to the COP26 climate summit happening in November. It's pretty easy to get involved. One, you can just prepare your message for the Prime Minister or nominate the 2030 target you'd like to see for Australia. And there's a little form on our website at foe.org.au forward slash day of action. And I'll put this in the show notes so you can do it. Um, use number two is you take a little COVID safe selfie or a group photo at your house um, or do something creative to, uh, to, to let everyone know that you're taking part in the day of action. You can then upload it on that 
uh, web form that is in the show notes now. And then on the morning of Friday, the 1st of October, we'll email you to remind you how to share your photo and you can get involved in a big social media action as we COVIDly safe make a big amount of noise to say we want to see more action on climate change um if you've got an organization as well you can sign up to be part of that and all of that information is at foe.org.au forward slash day of action and it is in the show notes as well Coming up next week as well, the Sustainable Cities Collective at Friends of the Earth Melbourne are organising the Better Buses campaign launch. So there's a lot talked about in terms of electric vehicles as being part of the climate change solution on transport. And we know that in Victoria, the second largest source of greenhouse gas emissions and the fastest growing is from the transport sector. So there is so much work to do. Friends of the Earth, we believe that public transport and really good public transport plays an important role in any climate justice solutions, making sure that they are accessible, making sure that everyone can get on board. We know that the Victorian government continues to invest in more mega roads over much needed public transport. So it's time for us to work together and build support for more frequent, reliable and sustainable public transport options. That's why at Friends of the Earth, we're excited to launch our new Better Buses in Melbourne's West campaign. You can join the public launch for the campaign on September 15th, and that is a Wednesday, and it is online, and it starts at 6pm in the evening. So for so long, we know that the bus system has been in need of reform, and the Victorian government's bus reform plan is a welcome step in the right direction. However, this campaign will be about engaging communities across the state, and in particular in the West, which is so often left behind in these big public transport infrastructure builds, um, to build better support for better bus services, electric buses that don't run on fossil fuels, and improving connectivity right across the network. There'll be more details up on the event pretty soon, and I'll put notes in the show notes as well, so you can get involved in that one coming to the end of another show and i want to thank everyone for listening into dirt radio um, i also would like to remind you that if you missed out on that presentation from kathy jetnell kishner about pacific island cultural identity and pacific sovereignty and how climate change is affecting that then you can go to 3cr .org.au and listen to a podcast. In fact, if you're stuck in lockdown with nothing to do, why not check out the history of things that have happened around at Dirt Radio? You can go right back in time and check out what was happening five or six years ago and uh, have a little bit of a listen to all that as well as all your favourite 3CR shows. What a good way to spend a bit of time while we stick together to get through this horrible pandemic mess. Uh, we're going to finish up the show, but do stick around because coming up next is Billabong Beats. Uh, and we'll leave the show with a bit of Monkey Mark, a bit of a favourite. Let's hear uh, the track Emergency. This is Phil Evans signing out for Dirt Radio. I will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>
Yet to 